Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber, uh, NFL editor for SB Nation. I had to think about what my actual title was there for a second. <laughs> it's been a long spring, let me tell you. But uh, with me, as always, <laughs> the men, myth, legends, Stephen White, Danny Kelly, the real brains of the operation, as I like to say. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Sensational. Excellent. <laughs> Um, how are you guys, are you guys, um, are you, do you guys have a case, a bad case of March Madness today? I know we're recording this in the midst of college basketball wackiness. I'm not actually really that into March Madness. I know that's kind of sacrilegious to say, but I don't really, uh, I don't get super into it. Yeah, this year has, I don't know what it is about this year, but I'm totally not into anything really but the NFL and maybe a little college football Yeah, just because we're getting ready for the draft. But, like, I literally sat down in my chair and went to turn on the show last night and was like, oh, NCAA tournament is on. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm totally like, really? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> look, it, I understand it for everybody else. I usually am a little bit more enthusiastic about it. Sometimes I even fill out a bracket, but this year it just, I don't know what it is. I, I'm not really into anything else right now. I didn't. I mean, and I haven't done a bracket for a couple of years now. And I just like, and this is the year I just haven't even really paid much attention to it. Like, I'm not, not because I don't like, I mean, it's always fun. The games are always fun, but I just really haven't, you know, I just haven't gotten into it. It's, it's been hard. This was a, you know, NFL's kind of an all-consuming monster. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, yeah, I definitely feel like that too. Like, I don't know if I have the bandwidth to be like super into other sports at this point, just because there's always something going on with the NFL. Yeah. Like, especially, I mean, like, yeah, it's like the last couple months. Like, you had the combine stuff. You have free agency. It's like I, did, I kind of forgot. Like, like Stephen said, I kind of forgot that March Madness was even happening. <laughs> and yeah. then you always have. The, the all season arrest, so you yeah. never know when they coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, that's why I got a ping last night. Uh, last, yeah, tragically last night, uh, the the Ravens player Ty Walker getting hurt in the uh, motorcycle accident. But it's just this is kind of how it is. Like something always popping up. Yeah. Uh, not always very positive, but always something that's kind of got to keep your attention for a little while. Yeah, it really is. It really is, and. And in the season two, and you know, people don't always. I, this was actually something you mentioned today in your Shaq Lawson piece, Steve. That I thought was I saw. I actually saw a couple of people on Twitter tweeting about it. But just how, like, for NFL, like when you work in NFL, like how just you know how much that like college football is hard to watch because it's like, well, Saturday is kind of the day you don't have anything related to the NFL going on. <laughs> It's just, it's kind of funny. So I always have to catch up on, I never get to see that much college football in the regular season because it's, yeah. like I say, you know, Saturday's kind of the day, my day off. So I kind of try to, yeah. you know. It's like, a day off and it's also kind of like a day for preparation. Like yeah. you're not doing a whole lot, but you're setting everything up for tomorrow to make sure it yep. goes off without a hitch. And I think I kind of learned over the, you know, the last few years actually getting into this process and having to write about stuff every week kind of learn from my lesson from trying to watch college football and then try to do the other stuff too. Like you can't burn the candle at both ends. At some no. point, something's going to have to get cut out. And since college football isn't really, you know, doing anything for me right now, that that's the easiest thing for me to cut out. And then it didn't hurt that my college out of my mother, the Tennessee <laughs> walls kept losing games right at the end and driving me nuts. And then as soon as I stopped watching the games, they started winning. And so I just, look, I said, I won't watch another game until they 
lose a game. They haven't lost since. So that kind of helped. <laughs> so that just kind of cut out all of my college football right there. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing with Wyoming. It's like, well, you're, if you're not in Wyoming, you ain't seeing a Wyoming game on TV very much. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's free agency time. I guess free agency, the waves are kind of, I mean, they're still a little bit here and there, but the waves have kind of uh, the big tsunami of it at any rate passed pretty crazy, is, uh, has passed. Yeah, and, there's mostly, I mean, it's mostly all done now. I think there's a couple of defensive players still out there that are interesting, but it's, uh, I, I think the offense is pretty picked through, especially with Russell Okun uh, signing with, uh, the Broncos, um, and now it's mostly like second and third level guys. I think, yeah, that. Yeah, and then those guys, and not to over like. I mean, obviously, those aren't the big sexy headline type moves, but those are like you said once a you know earlier in, in this month, Danny. Those are kind of sometimes those are the guys that really kind of make the difference too. Yeah, I mean, those are like fill out the roster type guys, fill a keyhole here or there. You know, they're not necessarily the big ticket players, but like. I don't know. For instance, Leon Hall is still out there. He yeah. could potentially play a pretty good role for someone. Um, you know, there's there's like the thirty over thirty year old guys that are still kind of out there. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see kind of where like Anquan Bolden ends up. Um, you know, if Aaron Foster resigns somewhere, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Andre Johnson. You know, there's still quite a few guys. And Robert Griffin hasn't signed anywhere. That's going to be kind of an interesting one too. Not necessarily like he'll play, but. It'll be interesting to see where he lands. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of the big story that's yet to play out from, and not just free agency, but off, just sort of off, free agency, sort of being the catch-all term for off-season roster stuff. But the quarterback, yeah. the and that was sort of the big. I mean, you got the Ka- the Kaepernick trade still hasn't gone down, and and depending on mm. who you read and who the who who you read last, that's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. So. It, right. it sounds like it's just kind of down to price, and then that's sort of that's the keystone for then the rest of the quarterback moves that follow. When that's Fitzpatrick and RG three, so that's kind of all you've got left to go. But those are big moves. I mean, that's kind of a big deal as to how that happens. And, and yeah. it seems like um, it, it seems like that would be a. Um, I mean, that's the that's really a story that's going to kind of have a big impact on what the rest of the NFL looks like this season. Yeah, it could kind of start that domino effect of like what happens from there. So I don't know what's taking so long. I, I you know, I guess they're just kind of shopping around their options. Maybe they don't have any options at this point, uh, and meaning like RG three and his people. But it is interesting. I wonder what's going to happen with that, and then if that happens, then. Potentially, it could trigger trade for Kaepernick and all, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's kind of quiet lately. Yeah, and we talked about the Broncos as a destination for Cap, and that's not a bad spot, really, with Kubiak and it's kind of determining what Cap has left. So, I guess then my question would be: Where? I mean, where does RG three end up? San Francisco? Oh man, that'd be interesting. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. To say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With Chip, I mean, it Man, seems like maybe fun. that'd be okay. You know, I mean, everyone just assumes that, well, Chip Kelly's offense, well, it's a running quarterback. But that's not really just the whole thing with it. I mean. No, he had Nick Foles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And Nick well, you Foles. Look at, you look at it. 
when you look at it and the thing that makes you feel like even if you believe RG3's worst detractors, he can still work in that Chip Kelly offense is, look, what Chip Kelly does is he keeps the defense on his heels and, you know, he has all these different kinds of runs and different kinds of run looks. And then all of a sudden he's throwing it over the top, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's questions about whether or not RG3 can read a defense. I think he can. A lot of people think he can't. Mm-hmm. But the one thing we are pretty sure of is he has a big arm mm-hmm. and he has pretty good touch down the field. Yeah. How many times did Mark Sanchez miss wide open guys running down the field Yeah, last yeah. year? I mean, it was, it, was, it was fucking ridiculous, quite honestly. <laughs> Against the Bucks, who blew them out, I can't tell you how many times guys were running up, up and down the field wide ass open. He just didn't hit them. So, look, maybe RG3 isn't Peyton Manning, you know, when it comes to reading defenses. But if you give him some defined reads and you let him throw the ball over the top, we know he can do that. And, of course, the running stuff, too, now that he's two years removed from the knee injury. So, and then he's, you know, he's got to be fresh after not playing all of last year, just not doing nothing but basically working out and, and probably still rehabbing that knee. So you'd think he'd be physically in top condition, and so now it's just a matter of taking taking advantage of those opportunities. I, I, the question remains how much talent the 49ers have at the skill positions on offense. But, you know, it's not like, well, at first Chip Kelly had some horses, but he kind of traded them all the way yeah. or let them walk. But at the end, you got Riley Cooper running down the field wide-ass open. So if he can do it, I'm pretty sure whichever slap they line up at wide receiver for the 49ers can do it as well. Yeah. Well, and San Francisco has, um, uh, I can't, Tory Tory Smith. Is that, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tory Smith. But see, Tory Smith, look, he ain't Ted Ginn. No. Let's say that. But he, he has some issues with catching the football at times. And I know Ravens fans, have been on his ass for a long time. I yeah. got quite a few Ravens fans on my timeline. But he went to the 49ers, and it was kind of the same thing. He's going to get open. He's very fast. He's physic- a lot more physical than Ted Ginn Jr. But, look, you, you got to get them hands right, man. You're giving up touchdowns. Every time you drop one of those long balls, you, you're giving away touchdowns and basically giving away money. Yeah. So, um, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, Sometimes different schemes, different coaches can kind of help you with that. But uh, he's a definite deep threat, a guy who, who will be a problem in a chip killer offense. But he's going to have to improve his hands a little bit. Yeah, and they don't really have – I mean, there's not much else there. I mean, he's their number one and number two and number three receiver right now in San Francisco, the way it's going. I mean, they yeah. just don't have a lot on that. They lost Bolden. And, I'm not, you know, Bolden's kind of at that point – in his career too, where you just don't know how much he has left to give, and it's and it was harder to to tell that last year because of the you know the offensive play overall and for San Francisco was just so bad. But it's a it's you know it's an interesting situation, and I think you know depending on what they do on the quarterback front, will be interesting to kind of set them up for the draft because you know they got a pretty high pick too. Yeah, I mean, what they do is going to be so interesting, especially just, you know, with the new system in there and everything. We really have kind of no idea. I have, like, no idea what to expect from the 49ers this year. It's just, I mean, Quentin Patton Patton and Bruce Ellington 
have neither of them really lived up to some of the hype, you know. And I think they've got a couple of young guys like uh, DeAndre White and uh, th- that big guy that was injured last year. Oh, De- DeAndre Smelter. I don't yeah. know. Some, some of these guys are kind of interesting, but but yeah, there, there's just so many unknowns with that team right now, and uh, especially, I mean, it starts with the quarterback, of course. To say but, the least. Yeah. At least they have Carlos Hyde, I suppose. I like Hyde. Yeah, but he's coming back from an injury, too. Injury, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I guess there's some question as whether he fits in that scheme or not either. So pretty much everything about the 49ers offense is like uh, a big question mark. Man, it's amazing how fast that team fell off. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It really is. They were, you know, class of the NFC for a couple of years there, you know, and, and one of the, you know, with them and the Seahawks constantly battling to to be the best in the in the conference, and so now they're just uh, I don't know. They could be you know one of the worst teams in the NFL for all we know. Yeah, I mean you know really look at the at the state of the roster. They've got some work to do. You know, I mean they were last. I think I was looking at this the other day. They were last in in Football Outsiders DVOA last year. So I mean it's just crazy how quickly they fell off. Well, I mean, you know, it's a uh, <laughs> there's a it, it, it's sometimes the stuff that happens off the field is just as important as the stuff that happens on the field when it yeah, when it comes I think to it filtered down. There. Yeah, I think so too. And they lost, you know, you look at what happened the fallout with the players and now you've got I mean, here this is how kind of upsetting things are in San Francisco right now is that you have um on people on yes that enlightened world of twitter arguing that blaine gabbert can be the future of the franchise oof yeah so <laughs> that that yeah, ought to tell you it's, something it's never a good place to be let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> it just isn't. twitter is or weird. blaine gabbert yeah <laughs> Man, well you got a point <laughs> the worst possible place to be is on twitter talking about blake gabbert any quarterback I, i'll never forget in. the bradford stuff on twitter Woo! yeah <laughs> <laughs> um let's see uh, another uh, yesterday you had the russell okung signing with denver which yeah, it was a pretty good move for Denver. I mean, they needed help there. Now it's probably going to push Ryan Claddy out. Looks like sounds like they're trying to trade him. Yeah, uh, yep. I think you know the Ross from a roster standpoint, it makes sense address the position of need. But I, this is something we've talked about before with respects to Russ Russell, and it's that he doesn't have an agent. And then I was looking at the details of the contract he signed this morning, and man, that's the first thing that popped into my head. I don't know if y'all saw it's it's ostensibly. A five-year deal, you know, right. averages out to I think like what between ten and you know if you look at it all five years, it averages out to like eleven million a season. But the reality yeah. of it is, it's a one-year deal that's got five million guaranteed this year with up to three million available in options, and then the team has an, an option to pick up the four-year contract after this season. Yeah, is well, that an agent? Is that an agent thing? Adam Schefter just tweeted that his five-year deal has not one dollar of guaranteed money, so I don't even know if his first-year stuff is guaranteed either. <clears throat> I think it's—I um, mean, not that he won't earn it because I'm sure he'll play and earn it, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting situation because 
I think I talked about this on our last podcast. Like he had, I think felt a lot of pressure as the first guy who's going out there representing himself to get a really good deal for himself. You know what I mean? And like represent that kind of new thing where players could potentially start representing themselves, not needing an agent and all that. I think he had a lot of pressure on his shoulders for that, but, um, the basic sort of what happened is it looks like his deal is really, really, really team friendly. Um, you know, especially just because if he can't make it through this year, you know, without getting hurt, his, he's had a kind of an injury history with Seattle. He's, he's never made it through a full season. Um, quite a, few, a couple of his seasons, he's missed like quite a few games. So he's, he's got the injury, you know, injury sure. prone label or whatever. And so if he can't get through this year and they don't pick up the team option. So basically the option is like after this year, if they pick it up, it's like four years and whatever, a huge, like, you know, 10 million per year or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but, or maybe more, more like 12 million per year, but he's got to get to that point before anything gets, uh, you know, before the option. So if they, if they pick up the option, I guess there's like 20 million guaranteed. So if he, if they do pick it up, it looks good. But if they don't, then he was essentially just a one-year rental. So it, it's kind of an interesting way of doing it. I think it was like kind of a good way to save face because he didn't feel like he had a good offer on the table. Mm-hmm. So um, you know that that option, if you, if it gets picked up, is going to end up looking really good for him. But if it doesn't happen, then you know he basically is just like on like a one-year five million dollar deal. Yeah. Which is well, way lower than what he wanted, <laughs> right? What what I think happened is kind of what we talked about um, during the season and the pitfalls of, of, of representing yourself is you, you know you get back there and have these people telling you bluntly what they really think about your game, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's not exactly what you think what you think about your game, and 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 look, he went to several different teams without signing, so you got to think he probably didn't hear a lot of good things in those right. meetings. I think. I think he referred to the fact that some of the teams wanted him to even move to right tackle. Yeah. Which, look, you know, uh, if he was playing right tackle making $12 million, that would be huge news. So, yeah. obviously, you know, that's going to lower his, his market value if he goes to a team that moves in the right tackle. I think th- there's a, a different ways to look at this contract, though, right? Because, obviously, you want the guaranteed money. You don't want the precedent – of not getting guaranteed money because then all of a sudden now they're demanding the next guy not get guaranteed money too. So I'm sure the NFLPA probably isn't really happy with him right now if that's really the case. But here's the upside to having that contract. It's kind of a two-way street here. It's it's a one-way rental both ways, sort of. Mm -hmm. Because uh, even if they like him next year, who's to say uh, they're really going to want him at $12 million? Um, But the thing of it is, he knows he's at a crossroads in his career, mm-hmm. especially after having heard whatever he heard with these other teams. So what he needs to do more than anything else this year, no matter what he makes off the field, is stay healthy and play well. Yeah, yeah. You stay healthy and you play well, they probably will pick up that $12 million a year option. And then guess what? It looks like a great contract. Yeah. If you don't stay healthy and you don't play well, well, guess what? Whatever team had just signed you was probably going to cut you soon anyway. Yeah. Okay? Because everybody knows about your injury concerns. Everybody knows you play well when you're healthy, but you just, you know, 
you're in the tub a little too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the end of the day, if he really believes he's going to play well and stay healthy for once this season, then there's a lot of upside in this because he still, if he plays enough, I think it's up to $8 million this year, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is nothing to sneeze at. No. Especially for a guy coming off you know, injuries and some teams wanting to move the right tackle. Because they $8 million for a right tackle is some pretty good money now. Yeah. So, again, I think, if it, is it a contract I would have rather signed? Hell no. Give me some guarantee. I'm sorry. Somebody's going to have to break me off. Yeah. But there is some upside in this in that regardless of what he was making, there was two things that was going to have to happen this year for him to stay with whatever team that had signed him. He was going to have to play well, and he was going to have to stay healthy. Probably not in that order. Yeah. He was going to have to show. Because I don't think in his career he's played a full season. Has he been? No, he hasn't played a full season ever. I think he played like 15 games one year. But, um, you know, he's missed big chunks of seasons previous. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's kind of always, uh, not always hurt, but there's always something going on with him, it seems like. Right, so regardless, for him to make the money that he wanted to make, he's going to have to play well and he's going to have to stay healthy for all 16 games. And then if he does, hell, 12 million is pretty good. It's just that, you know, it's hard to get from point B to point B, though, because point A is a pretty big if when he's never done it. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm trying to look at it optimistically for him. I kind of agree with Danny. I think at some point he just felt like he needed to get some kind of deal to save face and the last thing he wanted to do was admit that maybe he did need the help of an agent. Agents do so many things that you don't really understand or yeah. know how to do or can't even do because you're the, the same person, right? Like your agent is the go-between. So now when you go to that first visit, that first visit is always supposed to be the last visit, trust me, <laughs> okay? Either you go on back to the team that you already was with, which means you ain't got to take another trip, or you're going to sign with that team, which means you don't have to take any other trips. That's always how it's supposed to go. And what happens is you get there, your agent gets on the phone with another team, whether your former team or another team that's interested, and then he has them bid against the team that you flew to first. How can you do that when you're that guy? Like, you can't be telling the Giants, hey, man, I'm thinking about taking this offer, and then you're in the same room with the Chiefs, right? right? That's just hard to do because they're like, look, you're the person that makes the decision. What do you mean you're thinking about it? (laughs) <laughs> so you know what I'm saying you can't be the go-between when you're that guy so look, I understand why people have problems with agents and, and look not the least of which is having to pay them that, their percentage I get it but there is some some value in having that guy there for you I told you if for no other reason my my, my fallback is always this I need somebody I can sue if everything goes wrong <laughs> You cannot right. sue yourself. Yeah. At the very least. But like I said, I mean, I, I, I really believe had he had an agent, whichever visit he went on first, he wouldn't have left without a deal, whether with that team or another. Because that's just how it goes, and that's how good he is when he's healthy. Yeah. But this is his first time ever negotiating something like this. He's coming off a suboptimal situation. Mm-hmm. And so now you, I think – Everything would have been different had he actually been healthy this whole year, played the whole year out, played well. We're probably not having this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. He probably you know, renegotiate, renegotiates a great deal with Seattle yeah. if he can stay healthy this year. But once it went sideways, I think he should have went ahead and said, look, 
I had intentions on doing this, but I thought my situation was going to be a lot different. Let me get somebody who does this for a living, and so if they fuck it up, I can just sue them. That is just too much stress to walk around with, man. Especially you walking, like I said, you walk in the boardroom and you trying to ask these people for ten million dollars. They say, "Well, we think you're kind of a, a, a soft. We, we we don't think you, you play when you're hurt." Yeah. How about so we ain't paying you ten million dollars? You know how hard that'll hit you in your heart to hear that from somebody else, and they saying it with a straight face, ain't grinning or nothing. No, oh, yeah. To tell you, especially well, we from a potential employer work. too. Listen, we don't think you're worth what you think you're worth yeah. at all. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Go tell that to my agent, and then he'll never, ever, ever speak of it again. Yeah. Okay, don't tell it to me. Don't tell it to my face and have me all, you know, walking out the room in tears. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> but like I said, I will give them credit. There is still a chance. And, and look, it's going to boil down to what it was going to boil down to anyway. Yeah. He does what he needs to do. He'll be fine. He might not be as fine as he would have been with the agent, but if he does what he needs to do, he'll be fine. Yeah. If he doesn't do what he needs to do, he wasn't going to be fine anyway. Right. So, you know, there's there's an optimistic way to look at this, <laughs> but I'm sure most people won't really be taking that tack. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like he's already getting, he's kind of getting killed on Twitter right now. I was just looking through uh, some of the tweets about, you know, because uh, Field Yates kind of broke down his contract a little bit more. Schefter basically said there's no truly guaranteed money. There's like a there's a workout bonus, a roster bonus, blah blah blah. So I mean, th- those are like he's gonna get those. You know, he's gonna get those. They're not gonna cut him before the season, so he'll get those. So I, I don't know why it's technically no guarantees, but um, he just doesn't get any money when he signs the actual contract, kind of thing. But but bottom line, he's getting kind of killed on Twitter right now. Yeah, people saying. You know, this is why you hire an agent. So it, it kind of feels like, you know, what he wanted to accomplish by representing himself and, and kind of being a representative for players that want to go that route. It just didn't seem like it went so well. Yeah. And maybe that's because of circumstance. Like like Steven said, like it, it's probably more due to the injury, the fact that he's he's had so many injury history, has so much injury history than it is that he self-represented. But, um, but yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like it went well for him. Well, it's it's got to be. I don't know. There's always that, and then there, you always hear the stories about the the. You don't hear it in sports as much as you do like music or or entertainment, but like a you know where they have their dad or their mom as their representative. That never seems to go very well <laughs> <Right>. either. <laughs> yeah, I miss those. I miss. There doesn't seem to be in any of those anymore. <laughs> that usually ends in a really really ugly ass lawsuit. <laughs> Yeah, between the between family members, yeah, that's always good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the father's like embezzling money from his kid and There's stuff. Always some horror story <laughs> like that. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it could always be worse. Um, I, all right, I wanted to talk quickly about uh, a couple moves in this last week that you know they're not the they're not the Olivier Vernon kind of deals but you know these are the kind of deals that usually we we're talking about in november as wow i can't believe what a great deal that was but patriots swung a few moves this week yeah they did it started with trading chandler jones to arizona they brought in jonathan cooper and they got the i mean i think the draft pick is obviously a big part of this uh, an underrated part of this because chandler jones is the big name in that deal but you know that gives them two second round picks back to back 60 and 61st draft picks and they don't have a first round pick because of the whole uh, deflate gate thing mm-hmm. 
And then um, they signed Chris Long as a result of that. Now, Chris Long's obviously not a one-to-one replacement for Chandler Jones, but he's a good, solid player. And uh, and then, then, then they trade for tight end Martellus Bennett from the Bears, which is another pretty good move for them. They kind of mm-hmm. gives them another – it gives them the chance to redo those two tight end sets you haven't seen. Now, I don't think Bennett's, you know, anything like, uh, you know, Aaron Hernandez was in his playing days, but, you know, it, it gives them a chance to do a little bit more creative stuff with their tight ends. They have more weaponry now. Yes. I mean, they've kind of been short on that a little bit with some of the injuries they've had over the last year, but I like that deal too. So, I love that deal. Yeah, put these together and then let's talk about, I mean, I know our non-Patriots fans are going to love this, but let's put those together <laughs> and talk about the Patriots a little bit. Steven, why did well, you we, like it? Yeah. The, um, the reason why I like the, the Marty B uh, trade or uh, signing uh, as long as he stays out of the, the doghouse, he's not giving you Aaron Hernandez. Mm-hmm. What he's actually giving you is another Gronk, which right. is better, basically, because you don't have very many linebackers in the league that can guard either guy one-on-one. Yeah. Then you put them out there together, and you mess around and try to put some DBs out there, guess what they're going to do? They're going to run the damn ball down your throats. I don't give a shit who they got to run it back. They're going to line those two guys up and block the hell out of your defensive ends or your linebackers, and they're going to run up and down the field on you until you put base back in, and then they're going to spread out, and they're going <laughs> to bomb your ass out the stadium. Pick yeah. poison. And, and let alone the fact that if Grunt were to get hurt, which he's had his own injury uh, uh, history, now you got a guy that can come in and do exactly the same things pretty much. Will mm-hmm. he do it at the same level? Of course not. But it, it, it'll be a lot closer than you probably think. And I, look, the, the Bears haven't really been relevant in a while. So most people haven't really watched them. I've watched them a lot. Yeah. Uh, especially this last year. You put Marty B out there wide and it, listen, <laughs> you might better double him just like Grump. Because you put a little bit of SDB on him, he's going to jump over him. Yeah. You put a safety on him, he's going to run by him. And, and like I said, that, that's what makes this so scary because, look, Marty B is going to drive you crazy as far as, you know, sometimes with this, this lackadaisical attitude he has, period. Like, if, in between the whistle, he's going to block and do all the things hard and all that shit. But he's going to walk back to the huddle and he's going to walk from the huddle to the line of scrimmage. And that just drives a lot of coaches nuts. Yeah. And he's done it his whole career. Yeah. So he does a little shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe he doesn't practice real hard. He don't give you everything during the game, though. But maybe he's not practicing real hard. And so it, it, you look at him and you say, man, I don't know how <laughs> he's possibly going to stay out of the doghouse for the whole year. <laughs> so it's a huge freaking if, right? But if, yeah. but if somehow Belichick finds a way to put blinders on and just not give a shit for a year. Yeah. <laughs> this tandem, man, could be ridiculous. Because, look, yeah. people were excited about Scott Chandler coming in last year. Scott Chandler can't cope. He doesn't hold a <laughs> yeah. candle to, 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 to Martellus Bennett, right? And the things you can do with him on a football field. Yeah. But, like I said, the most interesting thing to me is going to be who are you going to put out there to guard these guys? Because both of them will put you on your ass in the run game. 
yeah. when it comes to blocking. And, and that's just not something you see with most tight ends. That's going to be super interesting because the, the Patriots do kind of a hurry-up thing, too, where they can get you stuck in a personnel group, you know, and, you know, not huddle, just keep running and, and let Brady control what's going on at the line of scrimmage. And they can just, like, they can really take advantage of that. I, that's, like, typical Belichick, you know, like controlling, uh, basically dictating what's going on. I, I like that a lot, too. I think that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, it will be, and and I guess let me since we're on the offense, let me ask you what now. What about Cooper? I mean, Cooper's was a first round pick for the Cardinals a few years yeah. back, 2013, I believe. You know, really highly touted coming in as a guard. You know, this if it was one of those deals where hey, if you're ever going to draft an offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman in the top 15 picks, this is the guy to do it. And yeah. he he comes out, he gets hurt in his third preseason game, fractured his leg misses the entire regular season his rookie year and has really never gotten back to you know never really kind of rounded into form with the cardinals is he i mean is he gonna is he gonna break out with the patriots is he gonna maybe just kind of fit in and find his place in the in the world here or is this just sort of a flyer the patriots are taking makes it sound like they really wanted this guy specifically um which makes you think that they, they think they can turn his career around. Um, it's interesting that he actually, like, you know, lost his starting job a couple different times after, you know, coming back from the injury, and then they were thinking about moving him to center. So I, he was basically running out of options in, uh, in Arizona. But, I mean, I, I really liked him coming out. Um, I don't know exactly what's been his issue since he's been back from his injury, but from what I've read, it's basically just he's not been the same player since he got injured. Um, he doesn't, I guess, like trust the trust his leg enough and plays tentative or whatever it is. Um, I think he's just like not he's just not the same player. But um, I, you know, I wouldn't put it past the Patriots to kind of turn it, turn his thing around. You know, it's just maybe one of those things where you get in a new situation and, and something clicks. But um, I think it's, it is kind of a flyer, but it sounds like they really like him in the first place, and they really liked him when he was coming out. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe it's, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but but it seems like they probably are pretty optimistic about it. Yeah, that, the, change of, the change of venue thing is always, a, is always a point that's, and it's hard to quantify, but, I mean, I think there's some, oh, yeah. I mean, don't you think, Stephen, I mean, there's some legitimate, legitimacy to that idea, at least. Well, listen, it's hard. Some teams may you just, it's hard to criticize some of the things they do until you see how it turns out. Yeah. Because you, you just have this idea about a player, and then you go there and like, holy crap, they found a way to use this guy or get yeah. him better. And, and that's kind of what the Patriots do. Uh, you look at, there's a running back last year that was lighting it up at the beginning of the season uh, that I think had been out of football the year before. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the they, little, and they resigned uh, him. They signed him to a long-term deal before he got hurt. Deion Lewis, right? Yes, Deion Lewis. And, yeah. and and you just look and you know that guy looked to be out of the league basically, and then yep. he's starting for the Patriots. Um, so it, look, their offensive line was pretty bad last year. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure he can make it any worse, at the very least. Um, you look at him, and, and he was a first-round pick for a reason. He did have an injury, so maybe, maybe with time, that they feel like 
he'll actually get over that with his leg or what have you. And so I just, and I'm not one of those people that just trusts everything Belichick does, but sometimes I look up and I'm about to criticize him. I'm like, man, watch this dude go out there and light it up. <laughs> so, um, and I think the, didn't the Patriots just re, re uh, hire their offensive line coach, like their long-time offensive line coach? Yes. That had been uh, gone for years yeah. or something? They brought him back. He's kind of like their uh, – oh, man. And he's got one of those names that if I tried to pronounce like it, I would just butcher the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. I think it looked like Scarnicki or something like that. Yes. I can't remember. I, yeah. Something anyway, Italian. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. But evidently they trust that guy a lot. And I, I wouldn't imagine they would make that deal without having his input. Yeah. And so if thinks he can turn the guy around, I'm probably going to be willing to wait at least to some preseason games <laughs> Before I pronounce whether this was a smart trade or not, for right now, on his face, I think, you know, they got something for a guy they probably weren't going to resign. Not because he's not a good player, but just because economics is on so many guys you can resign. Yeah. And, and, and it's a guy who has quite a bit of upside. You know, you look at him and you say, if the leg does come back and he does get coached up, yeah, he could be a pretty good player. He's not a guy that you look at and say, well, yeah, he probably can't ever be good again. Yeah. It's just a matter of yeah. can he get over that leg? Can he can he get back, you know, with his leg where it used to be, mm-hmm. where he actually trusted to that extent. So we'll see. Yeah, because one of his main strengths was he's super athletic. He was like one of the most athletic guards or offensive linemen that we'd seen in a long time. So that was what made people so excited about it. And then he, you know, broke his leg immediately. And it's you know, this is I always kind of compare stuff to what happens with players i watch really closely but he kind of reminds me of the james carpenter thing um you know different players obviously different styles but when seahawks drafted james carpenter carpenter in the first round he i think he tore his acl midway through his first season um had some complications with it like six to eight months later so it got it, it got worse before it got better uh he gained a bunch of weight because of that and was too slow. And, and basically what, what happened was this injury, this ACL injury when he was a rookie, derailed his development for a good, like, three years. And now he's on the Jets, and he's actually a pretty solid player, you know? Um, he changed schemes. He, he went to more of a, a power scheme in New York versus, like, the zone-blocking scheme in Seattle. And it seems like his career is back on track and actually doing pretty well now. So he's, he's the one guy I kind of think of. Uh, as a comparable situation yeah uh they're different style players they're not the same style of player but uh that's just kind of what it reminds me of it's like i think those injuries can really develop can really derail like development for several years it's not just like a six to eight month thing it's like it can completely derail like what's going on so yeah you know i think he's like like steven said like he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that you just like look at him and say he can't get better he just has to kind of get healthy and like get back on his development track. Like just get that back on track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Dante Scarnecchia was the guy they, and again, I'm, I know I'm mispronouncing that. I'm sure I am, but that will be the first one you first, maybe you pronounced it correctly. That'd be, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if I ever vacation in Italy, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, and this is a guy. All right, here's a former Marine Corps sergeant. Um, looks just about as comfortable as a man can be walking around in cutoff shorts and a cutoff T-shirt on the practice field. <laughs> yeah. so, His name's Don. Yeah. 
His son was the one that got. Fu- oh yeah, this guy. Yeah, this guy. You just look at him. He looks like. Yeah, this is not a dude you want to mess with. <laughs> he looks like. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a strength coach. Is what he looks like. And you know how crazy those guys are. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's no one. That might be a key right there. Bring him. Now, his son was the one that was uh, worked for McDaniel's in Denver that got fired in the videotaping. Oh, that game. thing where you hit the guy on the sideline. No, the videotape where they videotaped the practice oh, when McDaniel okay, was okay. coaching the Broncos. I gotcha, I gotcha. I, I was thinking of the guy, the the strength coach that like knocked the good dude. No, that out was on. the Jets. Guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. There, there's your Cliff Clavin factoid for the day. Nice. <laughs> and if you kids out there don't know who Cliff Clavin is, Google to the Googles. But, yeah, I like that move. Um, Chandler Jones, and then Chandler Jones gives Arizona a hell of a pass rusher. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Because, I mean, they've got such a good defense already, and now you have a guy that's like you don't have to scheme up a pass rush. I'd like to – I, I want to hear Steven's take on him too because I know that he's watched a lot of those defensive linemen a lot closer. Uh, but it seems like a good move to me. I would definitely agree with that. Um, you know, the thing about it, that would be most interesting to me to see is if they were actually line him up an outside linebacker mm. or if he's going to be more of a kind of a move around guy, which is what um, the Patriots did with him. Uh, you look in the, the, the playoff game against the Broncos, he was a three technique pretty much the whole game. Yeah. Now, you know, this, this isn't a three technique body type guy, right? You know, Chandler mm. Jones is kind of, you know, long and, and, and not scrawny. But just, you know, kind of thin when, when you think of defensive linemen. But he, yeah. they put him at three technique because they knew that he could take advantage of the guards for the Broncos, the left guard, uh, Evan Mathis. He took advantage of him pretty much all day as, as a pass rusher. And then so, like, he kept on harassing Manning that whole game. Manning ended up playing okay against the Patriots, but the one guy that actually showed up pretty big time on that film was Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you want to make a living put him in there at three taking. You know, I'd much rather see him out on the edge a lot more than I did when he was with the Patriots. And I think that would be who the Cardinals anyway, because they, they do, aside from a, a edge rusher, which, you know, they kind of, they fell into um, Freeney last year, sort of, and then they had the rookie uh, come in and play pretty well too. But they're still looking for that edge guy inside. They're pretty good. Yeah, you know, I don't think they have any words about those guys inside. You know, Calais Campbell, uh, probably one of the more underrated defensive uh, linemen in the league. Yeah. But they need that edge guy, and I think Chandler Jones can definitely be that. Now he has some off the field issues too, which also maybe kind of helped hasten his depart from the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, um, but when you talk about just athletically gifted, as far as you know, he's he's long, uh, he's tall, he's got those long arms so he can keep guys up off of him. He's uh, very powerful. He's a lot more powerful than you think uh, in his hips, and he's very athletic. So he's kind of like if you're doing a creative player for him on Madden, that guy would end up looking a lot like Chandler Jones, maybe be a little bit heavier, but about they look a lot alike. So it's just a matter of now, you know, they got a guy, Freeney was just a guy that they pretty much brought in on passing downs. Mm-hmm. But Chandler Jones is strong enough and, and, and understands leverage enough that he can play the run. Uh, you know, he could be a, a every down player for them. So I actually look for his production to kind of shoot up yeah. there because, um, you know, 
I, I'm not saying that the Patriots used them wrong. I think that the way that Bill Belichick is unique in creating a new game plan for each and every team or, you know, each week or whatever, it made sense because some weeks, you know, you would need them from the edge in that scheme and, and some, some weeks you need them inside for, you know, whichever that ready-made plan to work. But if you, you're more normal, if you, if, you, if you do it more traditionally where, you know, you, your game plan kind of it is a, a lot of it is the same from week to week. Mm-hmm. And you, you just need that edge guy to be an edge guy every week, mm-hmm. which is what Arizona does. I think you can do a lot worse than Chandler Jones. Yeah. I, that Arizona, I mean, they're going to have a good defense. If everybody can, you know, now, you know, the health thing, uh, this is all things being equal with guys staying healthy. But, you know, you go start in the back in the secondary and go to the front. That's a, I mean, that might be the class of the NFC West on that side of the ball right there, you know, as, at least as far as you look at it on paper in the offseason. And they weren't nothing to sneeze at last year either. <laughs> no, yeah. They're good. I mean, they were the yeah, third ranked overall in the NFL last year in terms of you, know, you look at football outsiders, you look at yardage and, and some of those other things. They're all top 10 and in every any way you break it down. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. They got and plus they got a couple of young guys that are coming out like Sha- Shaquille Reddick, Shaq Reddick. Yeah. Um, I, I really like the personnel that they've got over the years, gotten over. Like I like Curry Martin. Um, Deone Buchanan kind of is now playing like in mm-hmm. inside linebacker form, so that's really interesting. But they, I just really, you know, they they do such a good job of, um, you know, blitzing and doing different things every every down that it's really hard to prepare for them, you know, because they're bringing pressure from every different angle. Yeah. Uh, so having a like a pure guy like that can actually pass rush now seems like they can kind of like build off of that and. You know, maybe maybe trick people in the sense they don't bring a crazy blitz like every once in a while. You know, so there's there's a lot of things they can do with Chandler Jones. I think in that uh, on that line, and um, they're going to be really interesting to watch again. I, yeah, they're like you know they didn't lose hardly anyone as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one major at least. And Teran Matthews kind of looks like he's turning into a superstar. So they've got a lot of talent on that defense. That I like the way that they play in terms of. You know they're they're aggressive blitzing and all that. If they get Freeney back too, I don't know if he's, you know, what if he's the same player that he was before, or if he just kind of lucked into those eight sacks. But you know, he got them eight sacks in like the last eleven games or something like that. So yeah, you know, yeah, they, he was uh, their leading. I mean, he was their leading. I mean, he had more sacks than anybody else on the team. And yeah, you know, for uh, not playing all sixteen games, not there at the start of the season for him. Yeah, so I, he's I look, still out there. I look at Freeney like um, that guy in basketball who used to light up, but he's lost a step, but he can still shoot. He's like a gun, right? Yeah. So you put him on the second unit, he's a, he's a sixth man because you need a guy to come in and kind of light it up for you when your starters go out. Yeah. Dwight Freeney is tailor-made to rush, just just rush on passing downs for probably three more years. Yeah, like yeah. he's still so fast and quick off the ball that he's going to force you to respect his speed rush, and then you know what's coming next. He go bust out that spin move and, and have you looking stupid <laughs> on the line, yeah. and, and and he's and he knows how to finish the deal. 
And and that's the thing about it is, you know, a lot of guys know how to make moves. Yeah. But Freeney knows how to get sacks. He knows how to get guys on the ground. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the fact that he played all three downs for so long is actually probably what is most remarkable about his career. Yeah. Because a guy his size just wasn't supposed to do that. Right. That was kind of the knock on him coming out. But he was able to do it. But now. All he does is have to look, just stay warm on the sideline. Yeah. Uh, okay, third down, come in and light it up. And, and he did a great job of that last year. You know, uh, most of those sacks were sacks he earned. Yeah. And, and he got a whole bunch of more pressure than that, too. Yeah. And, and, and even then, when he wasn't getting pressure, he, he started drawing so much attention that it let, let other guys kind of get their opportunities as well. So. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to re-sign him, but I'm telling you, I, I I think the guy can do that with the role they had him in last year. I think he can do that for a good two or three more years, easy. Yeah, remember mm-hmm. that game I, that late? I think it was like 15 or 16, where they week 15 or 16 they played the Packers, Cardinals and the Packers. You know, game of the week kind of thing. You know the big deal. Every this, this must see TV. You know determining the shape of the yeah. And then Arizona just thumped them. Yeah, I remember Freeney that. Freeney had three sacks in that game. Oh wow! I mean, he was just a what was his best game? A one man wrecking crew, and that was a late December game. You know. Yeah, I remember that. That was interesting. That was when. Uh... Green Bay was like having all that trouble just doing anything on offense too. You know, they like just com- completely shut down. Yeah, yeah. One of those weird up and down times for Green Bay, and then they, yeah, and then they limped into the playoffs, kind of. And then, but uh, yeah, that was interesting. And then those are the guys to watch too. I think now when free agency, now the free agent moves aren't going to be the kind of things that you see a lot of headlines for. But you know, these are the kind of moves that are going to make the difference. They always mm-hmm. do every single year. And that's why I think, too, the Patriots, to get Chris Long was kind of an interesting, an uninspired little free agent move. I mean, that's probably he's probably not an every-down guy anymore, but, and he's not the kind of pass rusher that, you know, is just a, an all-world pass rusher. But he goes hard after a quarterback, and, and he, 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 he has enough in the tank that he can uh, – he can make a difference on the field for you. And, and like I say, he's not a one-to-one replacement by any stretch of the imagination for Chandler Jones, but he's a hell of a player to have on a, on a lineup. So, And not to mention, with him and Bennett, that team is going to be an interesting one for quotes, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that, that was a good move. Did anything else from free agency before we sort of wrap up the old free agency discussion here stand out to you all? Trying to rack my brain. Uh, well, uh, I, I guess I have to mention that the Buccaneers decided to uh, <laughs> sign, uh, you know, uh, the cornerback. Uh, Grimes. And, 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 and his wife, of course, comes in that package. Oh, yeah. And so uh, that's going to be very interesting. They had some other good signings as well, late signings. They, they signed Sweezy yeah. on the guard. I'm not really sure how they they're going to work out moving the left guard. Uh, they got airs. Uh, but, yeah, I think the most interesting pickup uh, uh, pick is definitely Brent Grimes. And, and look, <laughs> I, I actually advocated that they uh, sign Brent Grimes back when they were trying to trade for, for Darrell Rivas and was pissed off that they didn't. Yeah. So this definitely, look, any 
hint of sarcasm you may hear is definitely <laughs> not about how well this kid this kid can play because he's a baller. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, little guy, feisty, goes up there and competes uh, with the ball in the air. That has nothing to do with it. I'm just saying this is probably going to be one of the more interesting signings in Buccaneer history. <laughs> it is, too, because uh, Tampa's defensive coordinator and uh, Miko Grimes were not, did not leave Atlanta on good terms. Yeah, I kind of I remember that. I kind of remember that with them being in the division and everything. Look, look for a lot of people, they just kind of got familiar with Miko Grimes. Yeah. Right? Because – whatever happened in Miami. But you know, I, I always kind of follow my division foes, the, the Buccaneers division foes, and, and the Falcons being one of them. You know, I kind of was familiar with her from back then. Yeah. Right? This, this ain't nothing new. Yeah. This, this, this is definitely not anything you know, that just popped up. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just kind of have a hard time believing that, uh, you know, sh- that situation won't blow up at some point. <laughs> sure. uh, she, look, she definitely speaks her mind. I'll just say that much. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad. For she, better I, or worse. Yeah, I followed her on Twitter, and she has she had uh, before she deleted her account. She let she put down the 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 you know where people have their private settings on Twitter. I somehow got made the got past the velvet rope there and made the follow. <laughs> but yeah, that ought, that ought to be interesting. You know, Spencer, I think Spencer when he signed in Tampa, Spencer was joking around. It's like come back to Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta's the only place that understands you, Miko Grimes. Which I thought was pretty. I thought was pretty good. But yeah, that ought to be interesting. And he he is a good cornerback, and it was. You, you, it was hard to notice that in Miami because of all the other crap going on in Miami with Tannehill and the bad situation and all eyes on so every you know in the big contract he signed last season. But he was a pretty decent cornerback for him. So yeah, that'll be interesting to say the least. <laughs> all right, let's talk briefly about the draft. Um, we're just started the pro days. The pro day season is getting off to a its usual rousing start. I noticed the uh, the Christian Hackenberg rah um, rah chorus going on yesterday. People are really going to be in for a surprise when somebody takes him in the first round and gets the uh, doesn't get the results they quite expected. <laughs> um, anything so far standing out to y'all on the uh, on the draft front? I've been paying so close attention to the free agency that I haven't really been that much into the pro day the pro day circuit. Yeah, but uh, there's there's pretty pretty funny. Someone was talking about how I think it was Kubiak who uh, squirted water on the ball for Jared Goss. See how <laughs> see how well he can throw it when it's wet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, pro days are just kind of boring. I, I I think that the idea of like updating their you know times are good and. and getting sort of just the database on guys' yeah. guys' speed and all that, but I just really don't pay that close attention to the pro day stuff. No, and I guess as far as, you know, interesting news type developments go, and this kind of goes hand in hand with with the with what we published today from you, Stephen, was that Shaq Lawson has to go back for a recheck. Which is Yeah, I saw that uh his shoulder or something. Everything yeah. is just one team 
that wanted to do the recheck. Yeah. So you never know how that, how, you know, how serious that is or isn't. Yeah. Uh, but he seems to think that it's no big deal. I, I do know he hurt his shoulder. I think I saw at the actual play when he hurt his shoulder uh, during the season. And you, if you saw it, you would definitely understand why <clears throat> he might be having some problem with that shoulder. Yeah. Uh, I was actually surprised that he kept playing after that, to be honest with you. It was just such an awkward position. He, I think his arm got stuck yeah. in an offensive lineman's in between his legs or something, and the guy fell on top of him. It was just very awkward situation. So um, hopefully it's no big deal. This kind of happens every year. You know, you hear about guys having to go back for, for medical rechecks. We know some of the guys like uh, Miles Jack is going to have to go back and get his knee tested yeah. again too. Um, but it's never good. You, you never feel good when it's a guy who nobody really knew had any kind of problem. They end up having to go back and do one of these things because then you start just kind of wondering what, what's going on. Is he going to have to have surgery? How serious is it? And that, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, I, uh, t- tell us a little bit about the, your breakdown today. What did you see? What do you see from Shaq Lawson when you break down the film here? I mean, he's he's a really good pass rusher, man. He, he has a real natural feel for rushing a passer. Uh, the thing that kind of perplex was perplexing to me was that uh, he ran a, a pretty good time, four seven flat at the combine, but I didn't necessarily always see him playing at that speed. Mm-hmm. And I just think that after I watched it a few times, uh, I, I came to the conclusion is because his get off is, is a little inconsistent, mm-hmm. um, especially when he's in a two point stance. And a lot of guys kind of, you know, they they, they don't necessarily have a real good feel for how you take off in a two-point stance as opposed to a three-point stance, which is basically like a sprinter stance. Mm-hmm. So um, when he did get off the ball real well, you could tell a major difference. He was able to turn the corner a lot easier, uh, put a lot more pressure on, on the offensive tackle. But when he didn't, um, he, he pretty much made the life easy. But other than that, man, the thing I liked about him the most mm-hmm. is that he actually uses counter moves. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll see NFL guys who never do this. They, they just always stick with their first move. You know, yeah. I'm sure you guys have seen them on your team sometimes. We, we'll keep them nameless for now. <laughs> so when you see a guy that understands, hey, man, I'm about to go past the level of the quarterback. Let me come back inside. That's a really good thing. That's what I mean by kind of a he has a natural feel for pass rush. He understands, look, should I go ahead and try to take the corner or should I go ahead and use this guy's momentum against him and come back inside with a spin move or with a long arm or something of that nature. And he's pretty good with this technique as well. So um, he's just a real good, pure edge type guy. He, he's they put him in space a little bit. He dropped a little bit. Looked pretty comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's just a matter of can you get that get off going a little bit? You know, if you can, he can be a really good player. You know, I think he's going to be a good player regardless, but I'm, you know, if he can get that get off a little bit better, which he evidently is athletic enough to do, yeah, he could be a Pro Bowl type guy. I can see him being a Pro Bowl type guy coming off the edge. Yeah. Uh, who else? I mean, so far, you know, I know you've got a few of these. We're kind of uh, getting ready to to get them rolled out and gift up and everything. Who else? I mean, that you've broken down so far. Who else has really stood out to you? Um, hmm. Ronnie Stanley. Randy Stanley, I liked a lot. Uh-huh. And so, uh, obviously, people have to read why. But 
Yeah, I, I, it's funny because I broke Shaq Lawson down before I did Ronnie Stanley's film, and, and Notre Dame had to be one of the teams that Clemson played mm-hmm. uh, in, in the film when I was breaking down uh, uh, Shaq Lawson. But I didn't realize who Ronnie Stanley was at that point, right? He's just some offensive tackle to me. Like I said, I, I haven't didn't really get to watch much college football this year. So I'm watching them go, you know, go at it. I'm like, okay, well, this dude is kind of actually holding up a little bit better against Shaq, Shaq Lawson and the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of find out it was Randy Stanley, and he's really good at pass blocking, it turns out. Yeah. So, um, you know, Randy Stanley really impressed me a lot. Uh, I know, uh, you know, other people have criticisms of him, and, and he's not some ferocious run blocker. He definitely he is not that. But I'm looking at this day and age in, in, in the NFL and where the rules have gone and are still going, trying to, you know, allow even more freedom in the passing game, trying to protect guys so they can, you know, every receiver can be a thousand-yard receiver. Do I really care that much that a guy isn't a great run blocker if I know for sure he's a really good pass blocker? I I had to kind of weigh that in my mind as as I went through his breakdown because, to me, it's way more important in this day and age, to have you a guy that is going to protect your quarterback's blind side for the next 10 years rather than some guy who's going to get a whole bunch of pancakes but can't, you know, block an edge rusher to save his life. Yeah. Now, I'd rather take the guy who maybe is a little bit softer in the, in the run blocking department but has really good feet, really good punch, uh, very, you know, able to stay in front of even really good rushers like Shaq Lawson. Ronnie Stanley really impressed me a lot. Yeah. Well, and then, and then that one's called, I'll give everybody a heads up, that one is coming up uh, next week, so just stay tuned. We'll, we'll have lots more draft coverage, more, more breakdowns from Steven and more draft coverage in general when we start ramping things up to get into the draft here because it's that time of year, as you well know. Um, Danny, let me ask you, what, you, you know, I know we haven't had a lot of time yet to kind of w- with free agency to just dig deep into the draft, but I mean, is there anything you're kind of looking forward to players – trends things like that that really have are starting to kind of pique your interest when you start thinking about the draft right now yeah i think you know just uh i'm still kind of getting into the draft i you know i went to the combine learned a lot there and then free agency hit and that kind of took over my life for a while but um just basically looking forward to digging in and and kind of figuring out like you know where the strengths of the, the class are um, you know, which the best positions are and kind of, I'm looking forward to looking at the pass rushers, the defensive tackles, um, offensive linemen, obviously just because, uh, covering the Seahawks kind of have to assume at this point after they lost Okun that they're going to draft a tackle. Um, mm-hmm. so obviously looking at tackles and running backs and things like that, but I don't have anything super specific yet. I just kind of need to start digging in like full time now, now that free agency is kind of tapering off. Uh, it's kind of it's go time at this point. Well, I think you know we've we've talked about offensive line here so much and just what a struggle that's been for teams in yeah. the NFL right now, and so many teams and so many good teams even have just terrible offensive line situations and how hard that's been for teams to get right in the draft. I think that'll be kind of an interesting thing to watch this year too, if you know how yeah. teams handle that, how teams scout that, and where the value of that gets placed as teams go through the you know go through the draft in those three days seven rounds worth of it where you know who's getting picked where and what kind of 
if there's a certain kind of player that's a little more that's getting the benefit of the doubt more so than other players but it'll be a yeah it'll be an interesting thing to watch i think because that's such a huge thing for the league right now it's gonna be interesting to see how many players that end up getting uh you know offensive linemen that end up starting or playing in their rookie years because it just kind of feels like um you know the the common refrain now is that the, the college game isn't really getting players ready for the nfl and i think we heard that a lot more at the combine too and so it'll be really really interesting to see how many players end up playing their first year on the offensive line and you know part of that is you could see a lot of guys that were drafted last year finally starting to get onto the field too mm-hmm. so that'll be kind of interesting to see like sophomore guys you know that start making a name for themselves like in seattle it's gonna be like mark glowinski probably you know i think he was a fourth round pick for the seahawks and yeah guys like that kind of like the the mid and the early mid round picks last year that you don't maybe didn't hear that much about this year like get start getting on the field and you start seeing kind of what they can bring so i think that's gonna be really interesting to see how many guys are just like projects versus you know immediate starters you know you got pro style colleges like stanford or um you know alabama or whatever where guys are getting on the field immediately and and that's not too surprising but but like trying to project some of these spread guys to how quickly they'll get on the field. I think yeah. that's going to be a really interesting thing. You know, it's interesting because this is a inter- this is a conversation I think that even goes back to the current collective bargaining agreement. And because the rookie salaries were really sacrificed, you know, more so with the first round because that's where the big deals were prior to the 2011 CBA. But you know, there's a the NFL just there's not as much patience for rookies to develop players to develop like there used to be i mean i think somebody yeah. made the point recently it's like you know if chris carter had come into the nfl today and instead of 1987 you know he might he probably would have been gone before he ever left the he might not have ever gotten a second you know ever gotten to the the point where the the, the vikings took a chance on him you know from the after the eagles were kind of done with them and because of that patience and it's sort of that you know it's it's that cheap labor theory of bring these guys in play them if they can't play get rid of them right it's kind of the whole last class or whatever yeah and you wonder at some point you know it's easy from a labor capital standpoint to to take that to take that view of things but at the same time from a coaching standpoint it's like you're gonna have to just at some point you're gonna have to let this to have a little more patience with it and, and give this because you're just not there's just not enough offensive linemen or other quarterbacks or whatever position you want to you know you want to point to with that there's not enough of those guys out there to just churn and burn through them at this rate yeah it's it's really interesting how that's changed everything and it'll be interesting to see if anything changes when the next cba comes up or whether you know the nfl nflpa has any leverage to kind of fix that or or change that at all yeah that will be because i don't know man we'll we'll see what happens but it's it's a it's an owner's league right now yeah it doesn't seem like i mean yeah it doesn't seem like the nflpa has much leverage there or at least they didn't when the last cba got worked out so yeah who knows that man that's gonna be that's a whole (laughs) we can do we're gonna have to do a whole series on that one of these days (laughs) Because I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about on that front because of all the changes on that. But 
Anyway, it'll be good, and we're going to be getting into the draft more. So if you're a draft, a draft Nick, or if you're uh, one of the friendly denizens of draft Twitter, I think you'll really enjoy it. So. <laughs> I made a joke the other day. I was like, man, it's too bad. I hope draft, draft Twitter needs to cover the election when the draft is over. They need to turn their attention oh, to the election. That would be hilarious. That would be awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, I think we've had a pretty good show. Um, I'm going to be at the owners' meetings next week, so that'll be kind of interesting to see what happens there. Now, there's not too many scandalous no. things on the old rule change agenda, so. No. Uh, maybe a. Uh, <laughs> Pennies. <laughs> putting, putting the. Uh, oh, yeah, that was awesome. Jerseys, uh, you know, on, so. Yes. I mean, what's the what even is even the purpose, John Harbaugh? <laughs> Seriously, let it go. That's okay? the, and this will I be mean, the second got, time they've done that. Something like that. It's just, I don't know. That's just petty as hell to me. Oh, uh, we so mad about the Patriots uh, fooling us within the confines of the law, yeah, or, 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 or the rules. That now we want to make a rule just so people look stupid trying to do it again. Yeah. That is just ridiculous. And they are, twice. They're not, not to even listen to something like that. Like, that kind of proposal ought to just be thrown out. <laughs> and, but, you know, they, they did it before so and lame. it passed, which is what's so amazing about it. They did it last year. And it's the same yeah, thing because so of a lame. Patriots play. Yep. Yeah, it's... <laughs> lame. <Yeah>. Lame. <laughs> it is. And then what's the other one that I thought was kind of funny that was on the agenda? Oh, the proposal to, that coaches could watch videos on their tablets, you know, the game replay videos and stuff like that on the tablets. And I thought, well, first of all, they're going to have to keep the Jay Cutler and the quarterbacks from throwing the damn things on the ground and breaking them if they're going to watch those. Somebody put together a montage of quarterbacks getting mad and throwing the surface tablets on the ground <laughs> last season. It was kind of funny because it was, it was Cutler and Rodgers and Brady. And there's a bunch of them that were just taking those things and just beating the hell out of them. But that was kind of an interesting one on the agenda. The Oh, I guess kind of one, and I think it sounds like it's going to pass, is the, the automatic ejections after two personal fouls. Oh, yeah. That could change some things. Yeah. It's a, and, and, and it's more subjective judgment too because one of the things in there yeah there's the fights and there's the obvious stuff like that but there's the 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 more nuanced stuff like name calling and and stuff like that name calling oh interesting well you know the language you know that that players use and the and that's a whole nother like you think the the referees have a hard time interpreting the catch rule just wait till you have some uh till <laughs> till they're out there trying to interpret you know what some the latest slang that 22 year olds are using yeah right god what you what you hope is that they will be smart enough to say okay this guy already has one uh unsportsmanlike penalty let's not you know get together and talk use it between the time when somebody throws the flag and when they actually yell out the penalty you know, talk it over and say, we're not going to throw this guy out of the game because you're not sure what slang he just used. Yeah. You're not sure if he was actually congratulating the guy or talking about his mama. Let's not do that, okay? <laughs> Let's not try to figure this out on the field, especially when it's such a big, uh, you know, that that's a huge penalty to me. <clears throat> For most guys, playing is really important. 
Yeah. You know, whether it be for the contracts or anything else, uh, I know with, um, you know, the safety we had here that we got from the 49ers, uh, he just ended up being with the Redskins, actually. Um, he kept getting fined for big hits. And then guess what? He stopped making hits altogether just about. His last year here, he made some tackles, but when you're talking about, like, sizing the guy up, didn't happen anymore, so he wasn't the same player. Yeah. And so now, you know, I I just hope cooler heads prevail in these kind of situations. You just got to know, look, man, this is a big deal. You know, if we throw somebody out the game, if this is going to be that second uh, unsportsmanlike penalty, it better damn sure be worth it. You know, yeah. it better – it better make a lot of sense. Yeah. And I will say this. Mark Dominic, uh, to his credit, tweeted out that if they're going to implement this, then they should make those plays reviewable. Yeah. And I 100% agree because that, that is such a huge deal. And, and on the college level, you know, you kick a guy out for, for launching or whatever, for, uh, you know, the, the, the hits above the shoulder. But those plays are always reviewable. Yeah. Right. If you're going to kick a guy out of the game, if you're going to, if that's going to be that important, they had better make it so that the coach can throw the challenge flag at least and try to keep the player in the game. What if that's Von Miller in the Super Bowl last year? Oh yeah. And that's not to say he would have gotten to, um, you know, like kind of penalty. But you know what he loves to do? He loves to dance. You know what that penalty is when they throw it on the guy dance too much? Unsportsmanlike penalty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it very well either could have happened if you have the kind of referees that are like, oh, we're going to show these guys, you know, we we about tired. We about sick of the NFL shit anyway. We, we about to rein you guys in from all this dancing and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that could really is, affect the outcome of a game. And it's stupid because this is, you know, and, and this is sort of like, I don't know, this is what Roger Goodell has always been identified with, this whole – Cleaning up the game and all that bullshit that, you know, I'm going to suspend people. We're not going to tolerate this kind of crap. And the this is the shield. And by God, you can't have fun when you represent the shield, sort of Roger Goodell stuff. But and, and to, this is just this is such an extreme measure for this. I mean, I understand throwing a guy out because he's going crazy. And, you know, the Odell Beckham thing last year with Josh Norman, you know, that whole Mm-mm. situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you understand stuff like that. Here, here's some irony. I just want to say this is some irony. He wouldn't have got kicked out of that game. No, I know. It's, 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 it wasn't reviewable. So that, that's the irony of the situation. A guy who you actually know should have been kicked out of a game wouldn't have been with these new rules in place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, you know, the – they're going to legislate the the whole thing, and it's I don't know. It's just it's crazy. They'll legislate that kind of stuff right out of it, and but all these unintended consequences. It's always the law of unintended consequences that comes back to bite you with stuff like that. It seems easy when you're sitting in that office in New York that you got to protect the kids from this sort of thing, and and you got to put these kind of harsh rules in there, and then lo and behold. What's going to happen on the field is you're going to see the, the unintended consequences and, and shit like that's going to start happening. It's, uh, it's, it'll be interesting, to say the least, but I will <laughs> bet you that passes. I'll bet, you, uh, no, I'll bet you a Coke it passes right now. I'm on the record. <laughs> I'll send you guys, what, what's a can of Coke cost, a dollar now? <laughs> something like that. I guess if you buy in a 12-pack or something, it's not so bad. But I don't even see it in the machines anymore. I don't like it in the plastic bottles. Hey, but that's another subject for another time. <laughs> yeah. All 
right. Well, you guys, that's uh, that's two flags for each of you. So I'm gonna have to kick you off the podcast. <laughs> and uh, and we'll with that we we're out of players, and we'll have to wrap it up. And uh, we'll reconvene next week and talk about the brave new world that the uh, that the rule change folks have created for us. Nice. And maybe some draft too. Who knows? <laughs> So I'll dig in, start studying, study up, read up. We'll uh, and we'll uh, we'll reconvene again next week and and uh, and be here for some hot football talk for everybody. <laughs>